Ladies and gentlemen. Pacific Sound Radio. Hello and welcome to Pacific Sound Radio, your go-to source for everything happening in the Vancouver music scene. I'm James Olson and thank you for joining us on another installment of Quarantine Edition. Today we're speaking with Laura Mitich and guitarist-vocalist Pat Ferguson of the band Carmina. Carmina are a six-piece act from Victoria, B.C. who blend the traditional sounds of roots music with modern indie rock sensibilities into a sound aptly coined West Coast Soul. In their fruitful tenure as a band, Carmina have toured and performed with the likes of Shaggy Graves, Moby, Katie Lang, Current Swell, and Ziggy Marley, often traveling from gig to gig in their van run on used vegetable oil. The band has also gained critical acclaim and national attention, with two of their singles topping the CBC Music Charts, along with a 2019 Western Canadian Music Award nomination for Best Roots Artist. Inspired by and deeply connected to the natural beauty of their home on Vancouver Island, Carmina are an environmentally and socially conscious group looking to spark action and meaningful change through their bountiful song catalog and adventurous performances. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. Okay. Thanks, yeah. And uh, how did Carmina come together, and what is the story behind uh, your band name? Um, Pat and I met at a music festival quite a few years back. It was a uh, Tall Tree 2011. Yeah. Something like that. A long time ago. Um, and we both shared a couple songs around the campfire together and then decided after the festival to throw together some friends we had that played music and start a band. Um, and then, yeah, then we had to decide on a name and we were looking for something that kind of placed us on the West Coast. Um, so we found the Carmana Valley and we decided to kind of adopt that name uh, as our band name. And ever since then, it's been kind of awesome because we've learned a lot about the the provincial park, the Carmana Valley and the ancient forests there that have never been logged. And a lot of people have stood up to protect them, um, environmentalists and indigenous people and other climate activists. So the area has a really beautiful history that it's been really cool to carry this name and kind of learn more about it as we go. And what are your individual backgrounds in music before forming this band? Um, this is my first band. <laughs> Good start. So, <laughs> yeah. So my background was just sort of singer-songwriter style stuff. And um, yeah, that's about it for me. Yeah. Yeah, we've been at this for almost a decade. So it's, uh, yeah, no no complaints with, uh, with Pat's first band. And really my, my second, I think. We've just decided to keep pushing on with this project. So... <laughs> Was there a sort, certain point where you realized, oh, you know, this is this isn't just a for fun hobby jam band. This is like something that's like really, really serious that you're, you both were passionate about. I think for the first couple of years, we were pretty casual about it. Um, to be honest, we were we weren't dating, and then we kind of started dating after a couple of years too. So I think we were just a bit distracted by the fun of that coming out of the band. <laughs> Um, and then after, uh, after a couple of years, we decided that this was actually kind of what we wanted to do. 
um, potentially as a career if we could make it work in the Canadian music scene and maybe beyond. And uh, so started taking it a little bit more seriously, picked up management, started looking at grants and deciding on some ways that we could potentially, uh, you know, pay for a producer and record maybe a, a bit more of a commercial potential album and uh, start making it a little bit more of a, of a business while still staying true to the roots of the band. So that probably was a couple, maybe four years ago, we started to push on a little harder with, yeah, not just being hippies playing music around the campfire. <laughs> but we're in it for the love of it and the lifestyle and um, the ups and downs. Mm-hmm. It's all part of the experience. And um, yeah, through and through. Love touring, love writing, love recording, love uh, love our band. <laughs> They're our best friends. And um, yeah, life is good. You're actually the first Victoria-based band that we've uh, had a chance to feature on Pacific Sound Radio. So cool little tidbit there. How would nice. you describe the music scene and the community of bands and artists on Vancouver Island? Um, it's pretty awesome over here. I would say there's a really nice, um, you know, small cause Victoria is not very big, but, um, close knit music community. And, um, it's, it's a nice enough size that there is, there's enough sort of excitement going on within a few different types of genres, but at the same time, you kind of get to meet a lot of the musicians that are active. And for us, we've gotten to tour with a couple of them too, which, really forms a bond between your group and somebody else's group too. So um, I would say that Victoria could use a couple more venues. Um, we've had a couple awesome ones that have unfortunately had to shut down, which I think is a pretty common thing. I hear Vancouver's had a couple of sad stories like that too lately. Um, so I would say Victoria, yeah, it'd be nice to see a little bit more um, opportunities when it comes to places to play and, we lost a couple of festivals too that have kind of gone under. So I would say that fingers crossed post COVID, there'll be a little bit of a revival around here. And I think a lot of people are, are really missing live music right now. So maybe that'll kind of, who knows, feed into a bit of a Renaissance too, which could be really exciting because there's a lot of really awesome music here that just needs the stage. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I've said, I've brought this up with a few other guests we've had on the show, but I'm optimistic that when, you know, the, live shows of a reasonable capacity are allowed again. There's the floodgates will be opened up and people will come racing back to racing back to, to the bars and all the, all the places that are, are able to host live music just because we've been, you know, starved of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope, I hope the same happens with music festivals too. Um, I was chatting with my sister recently and we were both just talking about how much we miss music festivals. And, and I do feel like, uh, after all of this is said and done and it's festival season again, there's just going to be people flocking to music festivals, big and small, and it'll be a bit of a revival there too. Pat has a really cool kind of, um, I guess, simile metaphor of music festivals the stage is like the hummingbird feeder and all of or the flower and all of the people are like the little hummingbirds that just flock towards it for the nectar goodness of music so mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see more of that post covid too i'm also an, an optimist about it the lights helped with that uh, vision <laughs> stage lights one night <laughs> <laughs> maybe a couple of things helped with that vision <laughs> 
hum, the the hummingbird comparison is also just a little bit more romantic than moth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I like yeah. to think of myself more as a hummingbird than a moth. <laughs> it has a better ending for you too. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Nobody wants to. Nobody complains about moths or hummingbirds in their basement suite. It's just like, oh, I've got an infestation of hummingbirds. It's adorable. <laughs> As opposed to moths. Yeah. <laughs> I got holes in my sweaters. <laughs> my, all my sugar is gone, but these birds are just so cute. Yes. <laughs> Your sound was given uh, a name by producer Gus Van Gogh, uh, coined West Coast Soul, and listening through your first record, Speaking Rhythms, and your latest singles, I definitely noticed a, a blend of traditional root stylings with modern songwriting sensibilities. How has the group gone about refining and defining your musical identity? At first, we were just, Laura and I both came with a collection of sort of folk songs. So, it, you know, folky, poppy, country songs all over the map. Mm -hmm. So it's really morphed over the years. And, um, and now we're just, we just keep boiling it down to to um, from the heart as possible and um, yeah just continually trying to you not know. sound like a bunch <laughs> of dorky uh, <laughs> whatever I would, uh, yeah sorry I didn't mean to no please that. do <laughs> um, I was going to say too I feel like uh, just as we've matured both Pat and I and also as We've had bandmates that have matured or new bandmates that have come in. It's been kind of neat to see the project evolve. And uh, it was cool when we first got to work with Gus Van Gogh and, and his recording creative partner, Warner. Um, they kind of helped shape us a little bit too. And I think rein us in a bit with um, kind of our sound and not to pigeonhole us too much because I think they recognize that we're kind of weirdos and <laughs> we'd like to cover a couple different genres, but they definitely kind of helped zero us in on 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 what was kind of our our strengths i would say and and they were the first person that really kind of gave us a genre name because before that we were quite all over the map so when the whole idea of west coast soul came in it, it it sounded like okay there's a genre there but there's also a bit of flexibility so um that was kind of cool and yeah we kind and of every time we go to the studio we learn something new mm -hmm. and whenever we sort of pre-produce a new album we're learning new things and and uh and we're always referencing we're not afraid to say like you know oh kind of a feisty a feist type of vibe there or kind of a oh that's like a neil young harvest moon vibe going on there like we're not afraid to reference and you know it's the evolution of music and we're yeah, just doing the best with what we're given. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. And uh, this is actually something that Laura uh, mentioned and uh, something that I noticed was that you recently added another member to the band, your six-piece. Um, mm -hmm. What has What is your songwriting process currently like, especially working with that many individuals? Yeah, so that's kind of something that's uh, has the potential to evolve as well um, just because creativity is you know ebbs and flows and and everyone can be in a different place on their creative map 
But um, lately, it's been uh, songs that I've written mostly kind of in my solo and my downtime. Um, I'll come up with um, like a vocal line and some chords and lyrics, and then I'll bring them our jam rooms downstairs in our basement. So I'll bring them downstairs to the jam room and uh, kind of share them with the band. At that point, I would say I kind of have a 75% idea of the song structure. Um, and then they usually contribute and help me round it out and add their own um, inspirations and styles and ideas. And uh, yeah, I like leaving it a little bit open-ended because, uh, you know, having six brains work on a song is going to end up somewhere different than if it was just me. And, uh, and it usually ends up just somewhere way better than I would have been able to get to on my own. So it's definitely a collaborative creative process still too. Going through your press materials and music videos, there's a strong emphasis on a connection and connection to and kinship with nature. How is the band influenced by the great outdoors, particularly on Vancouver Island? Um, I like your question though. And I like how you use the word kinship. I thought that was really nice. Um, yeah, I would say definitely the environment plays and the love for the outdoors and um, just attachment to it and being drawn to it um, has played a huge role in, in my songwriting and just in my general self. Um, and living on this beautiful island, living on this beautiful West Coast um, has definitely inspired me creatively for sure and, and uh, in appreciation, but also in kind of... Um, uh, worry too. So um, just seeing some of the ways in which we're treating the environment and treating our climate. Um, it's hard when you are using your voice to uh, write lyrics, in my case, to not draw upon those worries. And so I think just, yeah, that's usually where my brain goes. If I'm not singing about things that make me happy, I'm singing about things that make me sad. And so usually that does have to do with, with our present um, present day challenge of, of climate change and, and the many things that kind of go with that. So, For better or for worse, would you say you have plenty to write about, especially in regards to how we are currently treating the environment? Yeah, I would say there's, there's lots to go on there. And I mean, songwriters have been writing about um, climate change for decades. Um, so, you know, and so far there's been no shortage of things to, to, think of, things to sing about and, and inspiration there when it comes to, um, you know, using songwriting as a bit of a caution and calling, calling people or governments or countries or whoever your neighbor out on on the mistreatment of the environment. So um, I definitely don't have a shortage of it. Sometimes I do find that I'm, I I don't want to get too doomsday though either because music is meant to be something that, that lifts up and inspires. So um, I do sometimes have to just pull myself out of that mindset and remember that like, oh, right, this is, this is a celebration too. Um, so it's a fine balance for sure. Yeah, I was going to say one of my favorite metal bands is a, a French band called Gojira and all their lyrics are about environmentalism and climate change and as you can probably imagine it's very apocalyptic and scary and um foreboding so yeah yeah <laughs> certainly don't get that vibe uh with the music I've I've heard you <laughs> release so far oh cool yeah I had referenced him earlier but uh, of course the band had the opportunity to work with uh 
producer Gus Van Goen, uh, Werner F. on your debut LP. Uh, Go and Werner have both worked with Colorado, Said the Whale, and Winter Sleep, among many other Canadian artists. How did your experience working with this production team inform your approach to your new record titled Iris? How did their approach form the album? Um, well, this is our second album with them, so we kind of knew what to what to expect from them and what they expect from us. And um, but this this round. This album was extra special because we went to their home to record. We went to Brooklyn, um, what last last winter? Last yeah, it was August and September. Oh yeah, last, <laughs> almost last a year September. ago. Oh, oh that's right. Ago, it yeah. was hot. Yeah, it was really hot. Um, and then Laura and I went back. Yeah, September. Mm-hmm. For some vocals and lead guitar and that, and so they have their own studio. So they include their studio with their rates and everything. So that's why we went uh, mainly, but the experience was pretty stellar too. Um, so the, how did it form it? Well, it was hot, <laughs> muggy, and food was good. Is that how it formed and it? And we walked. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking physically. Um physically, you know, hot Brooklyn summer, you know, it's in there. <laughs> it's in the recordings. I think too, um, like out of recording speaking rhythms and working with them, we learned we learned so much about production. And Pat was saying during that experience we were working at the the warehouse over in Vancouver there and it was like attending a university course just in in recording an album. We you know, anywhere from songwriting to production, um, just to writing simple little parts that you don't even actually hear until, you know, you listen to an album the hundredth time and then you realize. So those little things, you know, every little sound on the album was a learning curve for us. And so I think going into recording Iris, we took a lot of that that experience with us and, and we went in a little bit more aware of what, what it was going to look like and the things we needed to the boxes we needed to have checked before we worked on that album too. So, so that formed the pre-production yeah. and the arranging and the orchestration of it, of it um, with the skills that we were sort of picked up the first round. Eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, okay, yeah. That's okay. Did we answer your <laughs> question? <laughs> Forming. <laughs> we talked oh, about the yeah, <laughs> and uh, and uh, thank you for clarifying that you were wor- you are working with them again because I actually had a question as who you're, who you're working with with uh, on the new record, um, uh, but yeah, yeah <laughs> it was it, it was kind of more like you know how did that experience working with them inform your approach to working on this record? But of course, you were also working with them again, so yep. imagine it was yeah, like, we, oh yeah, which record are we talking about? <laughs> well, I think. You- Talking about, you're talking about Iris, is that right? This yeah, point, like, kind of like the, how the experience working on Speaking Rhythms carried over to to yeah. Iris. Because I thought you were working with a different production team on Iris, but oh, it makes yeah. sense that we you're working with the same guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, we like them so much, we might even work with them again here pretty quick. Yeah. It's been one of our potential COVID projects. I've been writing a bunch of songs, and so we might get ready to do, we'll see, another album in the fall. Um, depending on how things go in the next little while here and what we're able to do safely. And yeah, but uh, every album, it seems so far, we've only made two commercially, but every time you learn, you learn so much um, and it's, it's a really unreal experience. And 
and uh, you go into it naively too, right? You never know where it's going to take you and what the songs are going to look like at the end. And you kind of just have to let fate take over and, and hope for the best and enjoy the experience. And we loved working with Gus and Werner. So that's been nice. Nice that they took us on too. <laughs> Little West Coast band compared to the other names you mentioned. <laughs> How did you wind up uh, choosing them? Because I, I imagine as a group, you probably had a, a short list or a long list of producers that you wanted to work with or knew who, that were too expensive or other people that you had in mind. Yeah, we developed, uh, we developed I guess in the grand scheme of things, a pretty short list of, of some uh, producers that had recorded music that we had been enjoying. Um, and then our manager reached out to a couple of them and Gus was interested in working with us. So um, I hopped on a call with him. He was walking down the busy streets of Brooklyn and I think I was <laughs> somewhere in the backyard and uh, we chatted and um, just liked the sounds of him on the phone. And so we flew him and Warner out to Denman Island where we were doing our pre-production and, and, uh, and hit it off. So it kind of went, it went pretty smooth. And we sort of chatted with them before, see what wavelength they were on. We just liked what, you know, their reflection on what they heard from us and their vision for, for where we could take it, you know? So, mm. yeah, a good, just a good pairing. Yeah, sounds like it. And what would you say makes your new record stand out from Speaking Rhythms? Hard to fully pull myself out of, of, of the songwriter seat because they're all my my songs. So what do you think, Fabi? <laughs> Can you add, ask the question one more time? Yeah, sure, no problem. Um, <laughs> what would you say makes your new record stand out from Speaking Rhythms? Like what makes Iris, you know, its own separate thing rather than just being the album that, you're releasing after speaking rhythms. I guess I'm going to answer now. I have an idea. Yeah, Something for me is I, I feel like some of the songs are just a little bit kind of more unique. Um, the songs that went into speaking rhythms were ones that I'd been working on for a couple of years. And, um, and I'm proud of those songs too. And I'm really proud of what was created there with, with the, with the band and with Gus and Warner, but um, taking what I learned from that experience and throwing um, all of that into the songwriting of Iris, um, which I recorded on, uh, on a smaller time frame. Um, I just, I, I learned a lot about song development. Uh, I learned a lot about my vocal range. Um, and I feel like I just became a better player too. So um, I'm really proud of the songwriting that went into Iris and I'm really proud of the musicianship that went into it too. I think everyone did a really awesome job at uh, just developing really unique parts to the song. So um, yeah, I'd say it's a little edgier and uh, a little bit more experimental um, and some of the lyrics maybe go a little bit deeper as well. I think what stood out for me was that we had all, all six current members of the band there. Um, yeah, that's true. We didn't the hire the whole time. We didn't hire any session musicians. Yeah, just to help with vocals. Like the previous record, we uh, we hired a horn section and. 
and uh, keys player and uh, and a couple of, and Drummer. three vocalists. Mm -hmm. Drummer sort of, well, he was playing a couple gigs with us, but anyway, so this was like, this was a full on, out, this is our band, so um, doing it. So that's what stood out for me anyway. Mm -hmm. Having all six band members record on the album, do you find it was, did it make the recording process easier? Yeah, yeah. I think so, because we were able to do a lot of pre-production just in our jam room here um, and get a real feel for the songs before going into the studio and um, develop ideas and parts together. Um, so we Communication felt, was streamlined. Yeah, and there was just a little bit more of a direction there between all, all of us. Um, and then just because, we, like Pat said, we love our bandmates and we've got a really good camaraderie between all of us, it was just really enjoyable to have uh, everyone in the studio together and and um, to know all of the personalities in there too as opposed to you bring in a session music musician and um, and you, you don't you don't know them so not and normally that goes just fine but it was just extra nice to to know all of the all of the folks that were in the studio with us it's a really intimate time so it's it was yeah it was special and I suppose also with everyone, playing on the record, also being part of the band, there being a certain degree of emotional investment in the music as opposed to working with a session player. Yeah, that's definitely true too. Yeah, yeah, you're invested in a lot of ways. And mm. Yeah. You kind of have to live with these people too, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, when you're away from home. So uh, it's nice to be able to support each other in lots of different ways, just helping each other in little ways. And I think all that kind of comes through in the music too. Do you each have a favorite song off the album? Uh, for me, I think it's a song called Stand Up, which we released uh, two months ago. Um, and it's the 10th and final song on the album too. It's kind of the quiet little weird lullaby that ends the album off. Um, and yeah, I just, I'm just proud of the lyrics that went into that one. And um made a claymation music video for it too during COVID with my best friend. <laughs> we had lots of time, so we decided to try try making a claymation music video. So now whenever I hear the song, I also just picture this this little visual that we made to go with it, which I also really enjoy. <laughs> what about you, Patty? Um, probably As I See You. Vibin' mellow tune. And closest runner up best interest and I got a different vibe for us a little bit of rock and roll yeah <laughs> yeah and what are you hoping fans get out of Iris I mean the world has totally changed since recording it um, a year ago so I guess right now I'm hoping that new music just brings people some joy and some comfort and um some reflection too in some of the songs and um you know even pre-pandemic a lot of the songs they wrote uh on the album are just talking about mental health and um the need for change and uh lifting each other up and so maybe some of those songs are more important now than they were even a year ago when i wrote them and um the the lyrics for stand up the song i mentioned are 
um, as long as you stand for something, we'll be proud. Unless you stand for hate, sit back down. So, um, yeah, I hope that it just encourages people to use their voices and keep their eyes open and stay positive and forge ahead. And also just maybe dance a little, <laughs> take the load off and have a good time, even if it's in isolation in your living room. You're here. <laughs> yeah, it's something that while it's kind of a negative that's also been a positive, uh, I kind of feel that, or at least something I've seen is that considering the fact that the pandemic has affected everyone's lives, there seems, I, I'm kind of hoping there's a little bit more of an understanding and acceptance uh, and less, um, I guess, discrimination or prejudice towards people who do have mental health issues just because of the fact that everyone's feeling a lot of the same things in relation to what's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think you're really right. I think that um, this pandemic is definitely shining a light on many different avenues right now that don't actually have anything to do with the actual virus. Um, but a lot of holes in society where vulnerable people fall through and yeah. Empathy has been provided in lots of ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or also just really, um, I guess for some people kind of highlighting, Oh, this thing that I thought was or wasn't valuable is or isn't mm-hmm. as well. I know that's a very <laughs> broad and blanket statement, but no, no. Yeah. You can assess your priorities and, uh, yeah. See what's important in your life mm-hmm. and, uh, weigh the risks of your actions. Yeah, totally. Laura, you'd mentioned the, well, we'd been talking about the song a, a little bit, but you'd mentioned that you'd, been involved in the the making of the claymation music video for the song stand up what was it like creating that video it's uh stop motion is of course a uniquely challenging and very time consuming art form <laughs> i love your use of the words uniquely challenging it was a very unique challenge um yeah it was i i've always wanted to try making a a claymation, a stop motion video. Um, I just, I loved it. I loved Wallace and Gromit growing up and um, multiple movies over the years. I've just, you know, really enjoyed wondering about what that process would have been like. And you always hear that like, oh, it's really hard. It takes forever. Like, I think someone once told me how long a Wallace and Gromit movie took to make and it was like a couple years or something like that. Um, but anyways, I naively still really wanted to try it. And so when suddenly, um, we were given so much extra time during the isolation period, um, I decided that this was the time to give it a go. So one of my very close friends, one of my best friends is, a um, she makes pottery. She's very good at creating with her hands. And so I chatted with her about it and she was up for the challenge with me. And, uh, and so we kind of dove in and it took us much longer than we thought it was going to take. And it was much harder than I thought it was going to be, even though I knew it was going to be really hard. Um, but I, I loved it. It was actually quite meditative to just go into this room where we, it has to be pitch dark. And so we were going into this dark kind of cellar room and had all these lights in this set all just like set up and, um, we're in there for three days, eight hours a day and, and just zoning in on this little, storyline that we created and um 
you know, you feel like when you walk back outside, you're blinded by the light of day. You feel like you're a vampire or something because you're so used to being in this little dark room in this alternative universe you've created. But it was meditative in that it was just this one task we had to focus on. And, and it was in the end, though it had some very frustrating moments, really fun. And I'm really glad that we did it. And I'm proud of it too, even though it's slightly comical. I, I think we did a, a, a pretty good job and I would do it again. <laughs> so just... For, for my reference, uh, the, the video is like three to four minutes long, and it took you roughly about at least 20 hours to, to animate all of that? Yeah, probably something like that, uh, maybe even a little bit more. And then there was a lot of time um, for making the creatures that went into it too and making the set and collecting all of the – we've got like a forest scene, so collecting all of the um, foliage and everything that went into that. And so it was probably – in total maybe well i don't know how many hours megan put into the creatures but a lot so maybe we're up to like 40 hours i don't know <laughs> for yeah i think this song is actually under three minutes too it's one of the shortest album songs on the album thank goodness but yeah <laughs> yeah just because i think i watched a mini documentary about uh robot chicken the the stop motion skit show that i think is still yeah. running oddly enough um and i think they said something like 10 seconds of footage would be like an eight hour shift for one animator. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah. It it gave me a whole new appreciation for animation and claymation and all of that stuff. That's such a labor of love. Yeah. You you really got to be dedicated to it to put, (laughs) put all that time into it, but that's, that's super cool. And, uh, glad to hear that you're, you're open to, to doing it again. Cause I think, uh, yeah, tons of, Tons of different things you can you can do with uh, that medium for sure. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you two have uh, done a pair of campfire quarantine sessions in April and May of this year. What was the reception like to these sessions, and what plans does the band have in place to do more live streaming events? Um, Reception was definitely heartwarming. Um, We. We, we really enjoyed the experience. The first one, I would say, was it was such a new thing for us. We'd never done anything like that. And uh, thankfully, our good friend Darcy Beck, who works a lot here in Victoria for Sound and tours with musicians as well, he he kind of reached out to us and said, hey, I'll help you guys. And so he, he made it look really nice, too, which was which was awesome. And people seemed to really appreciate that, that there was a nice visual to go with it. And, uh, you know, he has some really nice camera gear. Um, so yeah, we just really enjoyed having something to rehearse for and, and, uh, blow the dust off of some of the songs that we hadn't played in a little while. And, uh, and then it was really nice sort of after the, after the concert was done to read through some of the comments on some of them, uh, read through all of the comments. I think they were all positive, uh, on the video and just see how much people were like, thank you for this. This is, this is what I needed to do with my evening tonight. And it made me feel really good. So I think it was our first kind of social night in a long time. So we were up to like three having cocktails and I, I was so tickled by that. How, <laughs> how many people, I think there's 4,000 people had watched it by the, by like 3 a.m. or something, and I was like, holy smokes. Wow, look at all these comments. This is great. And then I saw <laughs> You read them all out loud. I read every comment out to Laura, <laughs> and I had to describe every emoji to her. Yeah, I got the full visual of all the text. 
And I think you, uh, you, you must have broken some YouTube record. All positives. That, like, never happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That doesn't happen often, does it? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should revisit it and make sure there's no negative Nancys in there. I'm not sure. <laughs> I guess you just have a got a good fan base you just attract good people to your music <laughs> he's low we're grateful for that yeah all ages too which is cool mm-hmm. uh, i yeah i hadn't even thought about that that is the perk of uh of live streaming events is yeah there is don't have to be 19 to watch or whatever so everyone's welcome we got a couple cool photos from from the two live streams of families watching and um having dinner with with uh, or you know a barbecue or whatever and they have it up on the screen and they're watching or uh you know people gathering in their living room and that's kind of neat to see the families together enjoying the music too do you have plans to do more live streaming events in the near future yeah we so our the rest of our album the full album comes out at the end of september i think the 23rd or the 24th and so right now we're kind of in the process of deciding how we want to quote unquote tour that album release um, since we can't physically, we're going to get a little creative with how we can send the songs out there to the world uh, without actually having to leave Victoria. So um, live streaming is definitely something that we will be kind of visiting with the plan of that. Yeah, that was a bit broad. I don't have full details just yet, but yeah, there will be something for sure. And at the very least, I got a, a tentative date for the release of the album. So that helps actually quite a bit. <laughs> The band also got into the podcast game starting in May 2020 with the launch of uh, Carmina Radio. What inspired you to start your own show and what topics have you covered so far on the program? So that was largely actually our keys player, um, Mike Baker, who we were having a just a band hangout one evening and he, uh, he's, he kind of proposed this idea of coming up with Carmina Radio and um, said, you guys think I could give this a shot? And uh, a couple of days later, kind of sent us his, uh, you call that one, it's like a trailer kind of. It was like a demo. Demo, yeah, which is which wasn't released. It was just aimed at the band. It was kind of his way of saying like, hey guys, this is potentially what it would sound like and this is what we could do with it. And, it was, and it, was, it was super pro. Yeah, it was awesome and hilarious. And so uh, everyone just gave it the green light. And so since then, Mike's um, been doing some sweet interviews and I've been helping him a bit here and there and everyone's been contributing and um, listening before they go out and making a couple edits here and there. But largely, I would say that one's Mike's baby and um, it's been really it's been really cool. It kind of was different than what he originally wanted it to be because it was going to be us on tour. And since we haven't been able to do a ton of that, he's just found really interesting people within the community that we can chat with and um, kind of get the word out there on, on what they're doing. So there's been a mushroom farmer and um, an organic farmer. We talked about the jellyfish project um, and environmental organization. Um, we what else was there? Um, Our first jam back after COVID isolation together. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, just fun the stuff. the most recent one coming up right now? Uh, the mushroom one just came out. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Hard to keep track. But yeah, we love podcasts, so congrats on yours, too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, happy that I was able to pivot the show and turn it into a 
you know, quarantine friendly program. Honestly, it's uh, uh, not to knock what we were doing previously, but this is a, a better format anyhow, because I'm able to interview folks like you who are on the island. So totally. joys yeah. of the internet. Do you think you're going to look further too? Do you think you're going to kind of like reach out to bands across Canada or? That is something that we're, we're thinking about. Um, yeah. Uh, we're thinking about potentially maybe expanding our reach, uh, outside of just, you know, Vancouver, BC and maybe pivoting more to become more of a, a Western Canadian music program because the, kind of the the whole the reason why we started the show was because you know if you're in Toronto and Montreal yeah you get all the all the coverage and the accolades and you know all the crowds that you can play to in Vancouver I've always felt has been Vancouver and just BC in general super talented in terms of the just wealth of bands and artists but just not nearly as much coverage or attention but yeah expanding more and kind of being like you know, going like, well, maybe we can just cover like Western Canada, everything, everything east of Winnipeg, or sorry, yeah. west, east has been covered, <laughs> west of Winnipeg. Yeah. Just do something yeah, like and that. Look east of, uh, oh, east of Toronto. Exactly. Yeah. It seems like the two coasts aren't covered that well. You know? mm, yeah. Halifax and St. John. Oh, well, yeah, as well. I mean, that being said though, I mean, I can, I can name a couple of really successful, um, Canadian bands from the Maritimes, like right off the top of my head, like the Trues. I believe Sam Roberts is from the Maritimes, and now Sloan are so they seem yeah. to, they seem to have done okay, more mm-hmm. or less. Yeah, geographically for sure, we're far away from from the epicenter of of Toronto, but I think you're right. It's a lot of magic out here too, and and it's awesome that you found a way to to amplify it. Yeah, it's just uh, taking it that that step further for sure. One of the, and you'd actually, you mentioned this and that actually dovetails nicely into a question I had, uh, environmental causes and activism are of course important to the band as seen by your participation in the jellyfish project and your involvement in climate and pipeline demonstrations. What is the band currently doing to get the message out there? Uh, COVID-19 of course, hasn't stopped climate change at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's so true. Um, it's slowed it a little at first. A little. It was a couple of weeks off, but yeah, not good enough. No, and 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 other, you know, other problems have arisen too. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a good question, and it's one that I've actually been um, grappling with a little bit lately. So our um, our usual involvement with the jellyfish project brings us into schools to talk with youth um, and kind of try to get them a bit exciting, excited about um, making changes within their own lives and becoming um, activists and climate warriors as well. But uh, since we can't really do that right now, the organization is trying to find a way to maybe do virtual presentations and stuff. But um, yeah, I guess our, our actual activism has slowed down a little bit too. And um, I'm just trying to still incorporate some thoughts and things that I'm learning into um, my songwriting and into our social media channels too. But um, yeah, unfortunately not a ton of action there right now other than just self-education and still also being mindful of mental health too because you can only take on so much and uh, <laughs> sometimes you just have to give yourself a day off too. 
definitely. I've uh, one of the things for me is that I've made a point of really limiting the amount of news I take in on a daily basis because it's a lot of it's more <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of bad, not a lot of not a lot of good. So it's like, okay, well, what's the most relevant information for me today? And just yeah. taking that in. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And on days when you're feeling a little more optimistic and energized, you know, you take a bit more time to learn about something if you can. And yeah, they're weird days right now for sure though. So, but we, uh, our activism is, uh, continuing on in our backyard. We're building a tiny home tour bus that runs on veggie oil and it's got solar power and everything. So that enables us to live more sustainably and more cheaply and uh, it'll take good care of us on our adventures. So we're kind of, it's, we're kind of like building our rocket ship on the launch pad here right now. (laughs) There you go. Just getting it ready for the next, uh, next journey. Yeah. Which I, you know, we all hope is sooner rather than later, of course. How have you been keeping your fans engaged in lieu of touring and live performances? Well, lately I've been doing a bit of documentation on this bus that, that we, but largely Pat has been out in the backyard. So, um, a lot of posts on, on what's going on out there. And, um, I guess, yeah, the live streams was kind of a big one and, uh, we did a six-night residency here in town when COVID was at its lowest point, and uh, we were in that phase two um, of 50 people allowed um, in a well-ventilated space. So we did six six shows in a row, sold 42 tickets for each one, um, and just had an amazing time playing for audiences again. Um, what else? <laughs> I guess now we're just sort of vamping up to release the full album. And it's actually been quite nice too, to have a bit more time to make music videos and stuff like that too, as a, as a way to kind of create as well alongside of our songs. So got more time to space. Well, yeah, space things out and promote where possible. Um, what local bands or artists would you recommend we bring on the show for a future episode? And by local, I mean like Victoria, Vancouver Island based bands. Um, our good buddies and we're big fans of their music too. We just toured with them, Current Swell. They would be awesome to have on the show. John Roy, John. O.C. Elliott. Um, well, <laughs> Sam Weber would be a Sam good Weber. interview. Yeah. And um, Fox Club, that'd be really fun too. Kristen Ludwig, um, Alexandra Mayo up in Courtney. She's awesome, and she was actually just interviewed on Q uh, on CBC, which is pretty cool. She's uh, she's amazing. Like yeah, yeah. The two records she's put out so so far are just oh my god. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Can give it some more thought if you want. And send you a nice long list. <laughs> well, that's a good spread, though. I mean, I yeah, as I mentioned, I've I've heard of uh, Alexander Mayo before. Current Swell, of course. Um, I saw them randomly years ago at like a, uh, it wasn't a Canada Day, but it was some sort of like free festival in Surrey. Uh, this must have been around like 2010 or something like that. But they've okay. they've just been trucking. They're a 
they're an institution of sorts. Yeah. 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 They've been at it for, for a while for sure. And, uh, and actually during the pandemic, Scotty got married. So they, they had a, this, I should let him tell this story when you interview them, but, um, they had a pretty sweet marriage ceremony in a, in that house that had like glass all along the sides and people came out and watched the ceremony from below. So I should ask him about that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, um, I currently kind of work in a uh, for a company that does stuff around weddings, so uh, it's been interesting hearing about people doing socially distant weddings and small ceremonies and stuff like that. If they yeah. aren't, you know, just postponing, which would be yeah. my approach, but that's just me. <laughs> Lots of creative ideas out there right now, for sure. <laughs> And how can listeners check out your music and keep up with everything you're up to? Um, we're most active, I say, on Instagram um, and Facebook a bit too. Um, but then we're on iTunes and, and Spotify. Uh, and then people also, if they're extra keen, they can go to our website and sign up for our email list and we'll keep them in the loop on, on anything that's upcoming. And where can listeners check out your podcast? <laughs> that is available on Apple Podcasts. Um, and also on a website called Podbean right now, um, if people aren't Apple users. Um, but hopefully soon Spotify will be up there too, but not yet. Awesome. And all the, all the um, hashtag or not hashtags, but it's all at Carmina Band? Yeah, all at Carmina Band, except for the radio. Uh, the podcast is Carmina Radio. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thanks Thank for listening and thanks for reaching out and chatting with us. This was, this was a nice thing to do on a Thursday evening. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, James Olson. Pacific Sound Radio is produced by Mark Lingelbach. You can check us out on Facebook at Pacific Sound Radio, Instagram at Pacific Sound Radio, Twitter at Pacific S Radio, YouTube at Pacific Sound Media. Our website is PacificSoundRadio.com, and you can also check us out wherever you stream your podcasts. If you like the show, there are a few different ways you can support it. You can give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice, that lets you leave reviews. You can share this podcast on social media and you can recommend the show in person from a safe social distance to your friends, family, and coworkers. If you know a local band or artist that you think should appear as guests on our show, let us know. Fill out the form on our website or send us an email to talkpsr at gmail.com. 